We're continuing on through the uh, epistle to the Romans, St. Paul's epistle to the Romans. We now are, are speaking a lot about the, the moral life. St. Paul has talked a lot about grace, and he's spoken about how that grace comes to us. It comes to us because it's been, it's been merited by Jesus Christ, his passion, his death on the cross. And now, after appropriating that, that grace into our lives, how do we live accordingly? How do we practically live out what we've received from God? And so St. Paul starts to speak about the moral life um, in chapter 7 and 8, I believe, 6, 7, and 8. And we see something interesting here. Uh, St. Paul says, I see in my members another uh, principle at war with the law of my mind. So he's talking about this inner division that's uh, caused by sin. It's a result of the fall. It's a result of original sin. So original sin, which St. Paul spoke about in chapter 5, uh, is primarily a depri- what is understood as a deprivation of something that should have been there, that God had intended to be there. It's a deprivation of grace. Okay. Original sin, in terms of being a deprivation of grace, is taken away by baptism. Baptism restores grace, and so original sin is taken away. Nonetheless, the effects of original sin remain with us. Okay, So it's not like we return completely to the state of humanity before original sin. It's not what happens. Uh, humanity before original sin had all of these other added things that we don't get through baptism. Okay, one of the things is, uh, uh, they talk about, uh, basically the gift of integrity. And what that means is that your, you know, before original sin, the lower powers of the soul, the passions and the emotions were in perfect subordination and subjection to, to the reason. And, uh, so the first human beings would have been perfectly self-controlled and would have experienced, uh, the world from a subjective internal perspective very differently than we do. Okay. Uh, we're constantly, our lower passions are constantly being drawn and our attention is being distracted away from what's right and what's good according to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And so the vices are still active, are, are active with us and they weren't originally, okay, because of that gift of original integrity. So although grace has been given to us, the effects of original sin are still with us. And the Council of Trent, a very important church council, took place about 500 years ago, declared in an official way that baptism removes original sin, but it does not take away what's called concupiscence. Concupiscence is that tendency that we have as a result of original sin to kind of go after what we shouldn't be going after. Okay? It's a... It's a disposition, it's a tendency, all right? It's not a sin in and of itself, but it's a tendency to commit a sin. And we can't cooperate with it. And so this is what St. Paul says. He says, I delight in the law of God in my inner self. So when his conscience, with his conscience, with his intelligence, St. Paul can say, I, I really affirm what is right. I, I affirm God's law, but I see in my members another principle at war with the law of my mind. 
And that other principle, that war with the law of his mind, that's what we refer to as concupiscence. And that remains in us even after baptism. It doesn't matter how holy we are, uh, concupiscence still has a hold on us, and we have to, it's at war with us, so we've got to fight back. Okay? And uh, the ancient fathers were often um, uh, wont to compare this war with concupiscence to uh, an event of the Old Testament, a very interesting event. When God brought the Israelites into the Promised Land, he had them conquer all of these different people groups, the, the native Canaanites. He had them, they were conquered, they were kind of removed so that the Israelites could settle and colonize the, the Holy Land. But it says multiple times in the book of Joshua and Judges that God says, I'm going to leave these different enemies in the land because, uh, so that your children would know war. It's an interesting thing. So that you would know war. So that God actually wanted the Israelites to know what it was to fight. And so the ancient fathers, ancient Catholic theologians would say this is a perfect analogy for, you know, God would come in with baptism and he'd clean us out and take away original sin, but he'd still leave some remnants of the bad guys in us so that we would know war. And we want to ask ourselves, well, why does God want us to know war? He wants us to know war. He wants us to know conflict and struggle because salvation is not just a gift but also a reward. And if it's not something we can, we have to fight and struggle for, it can't be a reward. God wants us to achieve really high levels of glory. And uh, that's not going to happen unless there's some kind of struggle or conflict. Um, also, you know, what, why, why the conflict? I think because it, in our conflict, we learn little by little to depend more upon God and thereby get closer to him. And that's what he wants from us. He wants us to be closer to him. So we learn to be humble, not to depend upon our own strength, but to depend upon God and uh, in the moral life and the moral struggle. And we get closer to him. So I think that's his, in his wisdom he, he allows that the enemies to remain in the land of our heart so that we would uh, learn war and know how to struggle and, and have to rely upon him more and, and thereby uh, get closer to him.